You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Folks, you are listening to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame Athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today we have an awesome slate of topics as over the weekend. I believe it was Friday night. We didn't have time to obviously react until this Monday episode. But Marcus Freeman announced as Notre Dame's new defensive coordinator. We are going to break that down. We're going to talk about Terry Joseph deciding to leave to head to Texas. And then we will wrap it up. I will wrap the show up with a recap of the Virginia Tech game, um, which was played on Sunday night. So let's get into the nitty gritty here, Ryan. The one thing that I think everyone is going to be here to listen to talk about. Maybe some people are curious to hear about Terry Joseph, but I know that you're juiced. I'm juiced. Before even they interviewed Marcus Freeman, who is Cincinnati's was Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, we mentioned his name as the top priority guy, and it just so happens he was the top priority guy, and he ends up becoming the next defensive coordinator for this Notre Dame team. And just a little bit on him, he's a former Ohio State linebacker, 34 years old. He was considered to be arguably the top defensive coordinator or just coordinator on the market right now for teams that needed to hire someone. He was the biggest name that you were hearing. LSU was a a school that everybody assumed that Marcus Freeman would go to, but Notre Dame comes in uh, swinging and goes and grabs him. And frankly, for for me, uh, Ryan, it makes so much more sense for him to end up at Notre Dame. You look at his background. He played at Ohio State. He was uh, a, a very smaller role at Ohio State. He coached at Purdue, coached at Cincinnati. A guy like that is not going to want to go down south to, to coach at LSU if he has an offer from Notre Dame on the table. So now he's here. He's a part of the mix. And, and it's a fantastic move by Brian Kelly to bolster this defense. Yeah, and I mean, let's look at the last two defensive coordinators we had for a second, right? Talking about Mike Elka, who's down with Texas A&M as their defensive coordinator, and now Clark Lee, who's going to be the head coach at the University of Vanderbilt. Or Vanderbilt University? University of Vanderbilt? Either one. Whatever. <laughs> Vanderbilt. Let's go with Vanderbilt. All right, so when Elko was hired, people it was kind of like an off-the-radar hire a little bit, right? Like he was respected, but you didn't know too much about him. Then it turned out he was a good defensive coordinator. Clark Lee, on the other hand, was you know just a, a linebacker coach who got, who got expanded into the role. And I was a big fan of the move because, one, we stayed in-house with the 4-2-5 defense, and everything I'd heard about Clark Lee was he was very well-spoken, analytical person, very well respected, very, you know, he's a great defensive mind and he had played college football. Like he just kind of had great background and information. This hire right here, I would argue is the best defensive coordinator they have hired. They have had in some time because we're talking about not only a known commodity. He's been the defensive coordinator down, down in Cincinnati for three years, not only his Ohio State lineage as a really good football player who was drafted in the fifth round, a linebacker from Ohio State, did not stick in the NFL, but still a successful college football player, only 34 years old. So not only do we have defensive, you know, very good mind, has played the game, has been a successful coach, has been a defensive coordinator now for a couple of years, but also a young guy who 
I'm almost to the point here. I mean, this is kind of without even seeing what he's going to put on the field for Notre Dame. Slap an associate head coach on him, and whenever Brian Kelly's gone, hey, Marcus Freeman might be that guy. I think oh. I think I, I think that highly of this hire and of this man because if you listen to him, and if you listen to him speak, you listen to his interviews that he's done. Very well spoken, has everything together, has a big family. You can tell that his family means a bunch to him, and it's kind of the reason that he didn't want to uproot them and go all the way down to Louisiana. Because in theory, when you're looking at it, hey, probably, it well, not probably, easier to recruit at LSU. You probably have the opportunity to get more defensive talent. They turn out defensive players every single year. Notre Dame has the tougher time recruiting with the academic standards, and the climate that they play in up north, being a little colder. But the ability here to keep him and to have a play a, a young defensive coordinator to this degree and to this lineage stay up north because he didn't want to, you know, just completely change his family's way of living. He I think brings not only that defensive coordinator, you know, personality and what he can do as a coach. Like obviously he has that lineage to him, but the character that this young man uh, speaking about Coach Freeman, the the person that he is, everything I've heard of him, I think it's a perfect culture fit for Notre Dame, and I'm just so excited because, you know, it was it you know a tough a tough few days, man, losing in the playoff to Alabama, and then you know a lot of players entering the transfer portal had Aaron Banks, you know, um, leave for the NFL draft, so a guy that we were kind of counting on maybe being one of the big leaders in 2022. You're kind of like, man, what are they going to do next? And they have this defensive coordinator position open. What, who's going to replace Clark Lee? Home run hire. It was the number one guy that I wanted for Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman. And I, th- I applaud Coach Kelly here for making this hire, getting Marcus Freeman to come to South Bend. A absolutely huge get for Notre Dame moving forward. And honestly, we, we really do see sometimes where coaching staffs will get really cute with trying to hire a new coordinator offense or defense. And when I talk about cute, it either means bringing up a young guy who was a positional coach that you have confidence in, but but, but maybe has no experience calling plays. Tommy Reyes is a good example of that. And Tommy Reyes has done a good job, but sometimes stuff like that does not always work out. The other route that we do see is maybe going and grabbing an NFL coach who was a positional coach and has no background calling plays. There's a couple routes you can go here, but the best one, I would argue, in this situation where you need to continue that level of success, you're replacing a lot of talented guys who are heading to the NFL right now. You need to go and grab a guy who is not only a proven good recruiter at a small school, but on top of that has the background at calling a very, very good defense. He's playing or sorry, was coaching in the American Conference, which is a smaller conference, obviously, than the schedule that Notre Dame typically plays. Um, Not at the same level. There's a reason why they weren't considered to be in the playoff despite going undefeated. He was, despite the limitations on his roster and his personnel and his talent, there were some talented guys, was able to be very dominant against uh, most of their competition, if not all of their competition. So this is a perfect example is the way that they played against Georgia. So right now, Notre Dame is going to be getting a guy who's going to step in right away and have an immediate impact. Maybe they're not a a top five defense immediately because there's going to be some young guys stepping into this group, but they're going to be able to recruit well. We saw all the issues with all of these guys leaving and entering the transfer portal. I'm willing to bet that that this Marcus Freeman hiring is going to be enough to bag a couple transfers that are some big name guys. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces going forward, but this is the step 
in the right direction. We talked about our disappointment after the national championship game, and this is a move, frankly, for me, at least provides me with a little bit of confidence. It at least makes me feel better on the state of the program that they didn't get beat out by the SEC school again to get the bigger name and didn't have to go down a route of just promoting an interior coach or just some random name that was not as high on the priority list. Well, I think one other, you know, key thing here is you talked about Cincinnati playing in the American Athletic Conference. So it's not like they're playing the best competition in the world, but then we saw them play in the bowl game, play Georgia and take them down to the wire. And that defense is incredibly impressive. And I think one thing that can't be, you know, undersold is if you are developing potential NFL talent at Cincinnati to the degree of Marcus Freeman under Luke Fickle, imagine what he can do at Notre Dame because he's going to have some guys next year like Kyle Hamilton that are legitimate NFL talent. But he's taken guys like James Wiggins, safety, going to the Senior Bowl, Derek Forrest, their other safety, my Jay Sanders who went back to school, talented defensive end, uh, cornerback Ahmad Gardner who's probably going to be one of the top corners in the next year's class. He has turned some guys that are lower-level recruits to three stars and has turned them into legitimate NFL talent. So that's another thing, the developer side of everything. I know schematically he knows football. I know he calls a good defensive game because you can just look at his resume and know that, but also the development of young men. He, I'm just, I'm just really juiced, man, because I, I think, you know, again, like we were saying, getting a younger guy to replace Clark Lee who might be a little bit different than him because it's hard to replace a guy with the same structure. Clark Lee was very soft-spoken, but very intelligent. Marcus Freeman's also very intelligent and a defensive guru, obviously, but he kind of brings a little bit more juice to you. You know, you see him on the sideline, get excited. You hear how he talks about the game. It's a different vibe than what Clark Lee brought, but I think sometimes a little bit different is good, especially when you're making a coaching change. You don't want to get stuck in that lull. A different personality, I think that he's going to do wonders at Notre Dame. Yeah, there is going to be a huge step forward with Marcus Freeman. I don't think it's a hot take to say he's going to hit the ground running, he's going to have a huge impact, and this is going to be a great hire. I would be shocked. I think a lot of people would be absolutely shocked if this does not net extremely positive results. Coming up, we are going to talk about uh, Terry Joseph, defensive backs coach at Notre Dame, deciding to leave for Texas. Before we get to that, folks, I want to talk to you about Bet Online. The NFL playoffs are heating up. We've already had some wild games that happened this weekend, particularly the Rams upsetting the Seahawks, a foregone conclusion that Russell Wilson was going to cook and go on to the next round. There's only one place if you wanted to bet on that game that you should be using, and that place is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On. For your 50% welcome bonus, don't miss out on the opportunity to make money off of a hunch that you might have for any of these games. Go put your money down, sign up for an account, and use those extra funds during the playoffs when it is the most entertaining and the best time to bet. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget forget to use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on Notre Dame doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get your daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wager. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. 
wherever you get your podcasts. And also, folks, make sure you hit subscribe for our show as well. We would really appreciate you staying as consistent listeners and giving us a review. Both would be very much appreciated. So as we've got one coach coming in here, Ryan, we've got another coach going out. Terry Joseph, defensive back coach and also pass game coordinator, is heading to Texas in an unknown role. It's not 100% established what he's going to be doing. Uh, I would imagine the decision to leave would either be an increased impact, possibly maybe that of having an influence on the defensive play calling. But again, that is not confirmed as of when we're recording this on Sunday. So this is not a major blow, but also a blow just regardless because you're losing a coach who has been around and influenced some seriously talented defensive backs. I think the two most notable ones, Julian Love was in an, a unanimous All-American. Kyle Hamilton, also an All-American, extremely talented, is probably going to be a first-round pick. He coached those guys. You're losing somebody like Terry Joseph. You're going to probably have um, not an issue transitioning, but you're going to need to find somebody good to step in and replace him. And Marcus Freeman's probably going to help figure that out. But it also kind of makes sense here, Ryan, why we saw – a lot of defensive backs decide to transfer and into the transfer portal. They must have known that this was imminent and this was going to happen, and they probably didn't want to stick around not only for their defensive coordinator leaving, but also for their position coach. Yeah, I mean, I mean it makes sense when, when you when you kind of phrase it like that. Why was there so much transition in the defensive backfield? It, it makes it does make some sense. Why is Isaiah Rutherford? I would have thought he'd be up for maybe a, a starting job next year, and he decides to transfer. So. The, the turnarounds of the defensive backfield, it makes total sense. Terry Joseph did a good job at Notre Dame. Let's start there. Uh, Recruiting-wise, awesome. I mean, he's gotten some guys in that defensive backfield, namely Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, he was very instrumental for that recruitment for a, a kid that's from Georgia. So it's not like he's in our backyard and he's an easy get. Now, Notre Dame does recruit nationally, but still getting a talent like that, even if he was like a little – maybe late to the five-star scene because he was, you know, kind of an underrated recruit for whatever reason going into his senior year and then, um, you know, kind of blew up on the circuit. So it's it's a tough transition. I will say, though, anytime you bring in a new coordinator, you're going to expect some position coaches and passing or running game coordinators on either side of the ball to maybe be some changes because, you know, obviously there's going to be some guys that Notre Dame wants to really keep in-house, stick around like your Mike Elston's of the world defensively, play, coaching defensive line. There's always going to be those guys that are definitely you want to keep in-house. In and I'm sure that they wanted to keep Terry Joseph in-house. But there's always going to be some changes and some transitions when you bring in a new defensive coordinator. We'll see if they now hire from within. The early Conversation I've heard is Kerry Cooks might be a, a good candidate for um, taking over for Terry Joseph. We'll see what happens in that area. I think the biggest impact immediately for Notre Dame, though, is aside from, hey, are we going outside of the staff to get to find a new passing game coordinator, secondary coach, or are we or are we going to stick in-house and you know promote from within? I think the other big impact, though, the biggest probably is he he is a good recruiter. So we're gonna have to figure that out especially with so much transition, so many kids in the transfer portal. Is Notre Dame going to be active in that area? It's, I think it's something that they're going to have to figure out soon because it's going to be an all-out effort, not only in the transfer portal area, but also moving to 2022. And hopefully having Marcus Freeman already confirmed and pretty early 
in the process. Like, like the season's not even done for college football and they've already hired their defensive coordinator. That's an advantage to have done that already. You're losing Terry Joseph at an early spot. So they're in a position now where Marcus Freeman is probably going to have his say on who that guy is going to end up being. I would most likely assume he's going to want to go and get someone who he is connected with. Maybe it's somebody from Cincinnati. Maybe it's somebody that he played with or has a connection with from Ohio State. Maybe it's somebody from his time at Purdue. It, it, I would be willing to bet it is going to have some type of a, a connection to Marcus Freeman because ultimately the goal here is you want your new defensive coordinator to be surrounded by his guys, guys that are going to coach the the things that you want him to coach and are going to understand the philosophy. And maybe Marcus Freeman takes over the you know the full coordinating and doesn't split up the passing game and the run game coordinating. It, it, it's a mixed bag on what you tend to see with stuff like that. Um, but regardless, it's probably going to be someone that has a level of relation to Marcus Freeman because they're going to do whatever they want or do whatever they can so that Freeman is comfortable. Yeah, and I mean, especially early on in this transition for Marcus Freeman, having guys around you that you're comfortable with is a big thing, right? Like be, getting comfortable in your new role, in your new environment, it's going to absolutely be huge for him. I am really curious to see what this hire is going to look like because like I said, I heard that they may be hiring from within, but we'll see if, if that is something that they do or if they take go a little bit outside to somebody maybe that Marcus is more familiar with. I am also very curious, what is the defensive structure going to look like? Because we have been running a heavy 4-2-5 system over the last couple of years. Obviously, you need to find somebody that is comfortable in that system, whoever the, new, the next secondary coach, passing game coordinator potentially is, because Cincinnati ran a little more of a true 4-3. Now, when you really think about a 4-2-5 is very, very similar. You're just obviously you're you're you have a nickel that's already kind of put into place in the in the vein of a Jeremiah Wusakoromo. So now it's not structurally crazy different, but Marcus Freeman's been a guy that has known from week to week that he makes some some drastic changes defensively because he really does kind of change with the times a little bit. What what the team that he's playing against, what they want to attack, what they want to do offensively. He will really just week to week have so many adjustments that I think that whoever the new guys are around him, whoever the new position coaches that we're bringing in potentially, if, if, if Terry Joseph isn't the last one to leave, we need to make sure that those guys are active thinkers. They're kind of on the forefront of, hey, this is quick moving. We need to be ever evolving because the game's not going to be cyclical. It's not going to be the same every single week. We need to be able to structurally fit what Marcus Freeman wants to put into the game. In a few minutes, I will be recapping the Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game, filling you in on anything that you might have missed, folks, before we do that, though. Ryan, let's hear your thoughts on Built Bar. I mean, Built Bar is the absolute best protein bar on the market. Even before me and Joe were on Locked On, listening to Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes, something that they were always clamoring for, so I needed to give a chance. And I will tell you, the minute that I had my first Bilt Bar, I was immediately hooked. They come in 18 amazing flavors, including both nut and non-nut flavors. The 12 original flavors, if you're a traditionalist, they have stuff like coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, a few others, including the absolute best bar I've ever had, peanut butter brownie. They're mm. now back bigger and better than before. So now they have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond 
crisp. They literally have a flavor for every palate that all the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Coming out of the new year, they are all also great for the health conscious guy on the go. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are all low calorie, low sugar, but also high in protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. Some of those profiles that I talked about already, like peanut butter, for instance, 19 grams of protein, but only 180 calories, only five grams of sugar, and only five grams of net carbs in a bar. Coconut almonds, cherry barcia, and cookies and cream all have, have similar nutritional facts, which make them not only delicious, but also good for you. They have now set reset the promo code over at Built Bar for the relaunch. So now you can get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. I would definitely take advantage of that offer. To do so, you can go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On. that's all capital Locked On, no spaces, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Coming up on Wednesday's show, folks, we are expecting to have on Notre Dame defensive lineman and pass rusher Galen Hayes. Stay tuned for that. That is going to be a fantastic interview. I'm sure you folks will definitely enjoy it. But speaking of things that we actually don't enjoy, I get to talk about Notre Dame losing to 19th-ranked Virginia Tech, 77-63. to Surprise, surprise, we have yet another game where Notre Dame was leading at halftime. They were leading 42-35. to 35. And what you really saw from this game, if you didn't watch it or you did watch it, they opened the game pretty well. They shot really well from three and also from mid-range. They weren't taking a ton of looks from down low, and they were going shot for shot with Virginia Tech to a point where that three-point shooting was enough to put them up by a, you know about seven points, at seven points at halftime. But the big issue, I think, that really killed them once, and it's the same thing that we continually see every a lot of these games this year, Ohio State, North Carolina, Kentucky, games where they're winning at halftime, the opposing team comes firing out of the gates and not only minimizes the lead, but blows past Notre Dame. That's the same exact thing that happened here. I believe the run that they went on at one point was 10-2, and it might have been ended up being more than that after just a continuous scoring run to a point where Notre Dame was still going shot for shot with them, but it was two shots for every Virginia Tech shot and then one for every Notre Dame. It, it was not a consistent pace. They, they noticeably were slowing down as we've seen them do a lot, like I said, in a lot of important games this season. That is going to be a big major issue for this Fighting Irish team if they're going to consistently fight against strong, top-ranked, top ACC opponents. They cannot slow down in the second half. And I think a clear indication of slowing down, they really did not shoot well in this second half. They had a strong showing in the beginning, the, the first half of this game to a point where they were able to lead, obviously, end up only shooting 37% from the field and then 26% from three-point. And those are statistics that are just not characteristic of a typical Notre Dame team. And a lot of those issues came from the from a, a poor shooting performance in the second half. 
Just some individual performances and statistics. Lashevsky has another pretty good game. 17 points from him. Um, uh, Juwan Durham ends up starting this game, and he actually has a pretty good defensive performance. Three blocks. If you saw any of the blocks that he had in this game, the dude was swatting a lot of shots. He actually looked pretty good. Uh, did not have a very good rebounding day, and that's the the frustrating part that we have with Juwan Durham. And I, I know I talk a lot about of my, my frustration with him because he's talented, he's a pretty good player, he started this game, he played 23 minutes, he doesn't rebound as well as he should for a guy that's almost 7 feet, he doesn't score a lot of points, but he's so good at post defense, especially against smaller guys that are driving into the lane. He's the type of player that can send a layup into the, uh, into the bench if he needs to. He's that type of a defensive player, but doesn't really perform much in, much in the rebound game. Doesn't really score many points. Off the bench, Dane Goodwin, who did not start this game, which was, I think, one of his first games he didn't start this year, scores 12 points. So a bit of an interesting thought there. Not only not starting, but scoring, or no, sorry, uh, clocking 30 minutes in this game. So played a lot of minutes. Instead, uh, Jogo actually played in his place, who only scored four. So a little bit of, a, I think, an attempt by Mike Bray to shuffle around this lineup, change things up give a different look, and see if that can help Notre Dame with their current slide. That doesn't end up being the case. They shoot poorly. Goodwin probably should have started this game, as he does really well off the bench, but playing more minutes than Jogo does. Performances like this, though, are going to continue to kill Notre Dame, and now they have to face UVA again, a team that they lost by a pretty similar margin, 66-57. to That game is coming up on the 13th. We're going to provide some coverage for that, but that is going to be another important game in order for them to get their feet back underneath them. And then on the 16th, they will be playing Boston College. Folks, that is going to be it from our show today. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to go and hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on everything with our show. Also, leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it. Additionally, folks, follow us on social media at Locked on Irish, at Jody Leone, and at Rise, the letter N, draft for Ryan. If you're looking for something else to tune into, I 100% recommend heading on over to Locked on College Football to hear any of the remaining coverage after the national championship game. 